Welcome to Hub City Homers. This is episode 55. We're back after a long bye week. Texas Tech was off, as we all know. And I I would like to say that we beat the bye week. You know, I'd like to say we got that W. We're up against now the back half of the schedule. Texas Tech will face with the West Virginia Mountaineers in a homecoming matchup. I saw it was a red out. So if you are able to go to the game, remember to wear red. It's a middle of the day game. So you're probably not going to wear one. wear black anyways, um, depending on the temperature. But wear red, be loud, be early, and stay late. Um, West Virginia is coming off an upset victory over the Baylor Bears. Baylor, who started so strong in the year, has kind of come down to earth. West Virginia picked up its first um, conference win of the year. West Virginia is kind of disappointed, I think. You know, they they put in a really strong showing against the Pitt Panthers, and then the wheels kind of came off after the Kansas um, um, loss, and then it became apparent that where the deficiencies were in their team. However, it's still early, and they look like a scrappy squad. So we're going to dive into them and kind of talk about what Tech needs to do. But first, we're going to start on the Red Raiders sideline, talk about some of the things we heard about over the bye week, specifically, first and foremost, the quarterback situation. A lot of interest in what's going on. Here's where we stand right now. Tyler Shuck is throwing in practice. He's starting to take some reps, but he has not been fully cleared. Um, this is likely due, This is likely becoming kind of a pain management thing. Can he feel comfortable throwing and taking hits? It doesn't sound like he's there yet, but they're starting to work him back. As a result of what we've heard, I do not expect Tyler Shuck will be playing at all against West Virginia. I'd be looking for him to come back maybe next week if he's going to make a return. But, you know, we could hear more in the coming days that he's suddenly taken a leap forward. Baron Morton sounds like he's healthy after his ankle injury. He seems it was a minor sprain. He's taken the majority of the first team reps. Donovan Smith is as healthy as he's been all year. He's taking some of the first team reps. According to Coach McGuire, if all three quarterbacks are healthy, we would see all three play, which we're going to dive into what that actually means here in a second. But Jack, I want to go to you first with just the general question. It sounds like this really is between Baron Morton and Donovan Smith. It does not sound like Tyler Shuck's close to 100%. Um, he may be getting there, but he's not there yet. Who are we taking in this game? Are you going to give Donovan Smith back the ball, or is Baron Morton going to take it and, and have his chance to kind of secure the job? I think this is Baron Morton's job to lose now. Um, you know, we kind of talked about before we came on a little bit and amongst ourselves in the bye week, uh, I think that there were a few throws that you saw Baron Morton make uh, under duress in that Oklahoma State game in Stillwater that I just don't think the other two quarterbacks can can make. Uh, his athleticism was on display. I think in those situations, there was one where he was flushed out of the pocket and flushed right, and I think it was actually the first touchdown that he threw to Jaron Bradley. Um where he got flushed out and he threw that he threw that pass on a on a dime just hit him in the numbers there was no way that the defender was going to get to it I think that that's a throw that only he can make and when I say that I think that Donovan Smith could get out of the be flushed out and make the nice rollout but I don't think he makes the throw I don't think that Tyler Shuck could get out of that mess but I think he could make the throw so I think with Baron Morton you're kind of getting the best of both with Shuck and Smith. It's just a little bit more inexperienced. You did see a couple of times in the game where the inexperience did show. Uh, the interception was one uh, that was pretty obvious, uh, just off the top of the head, kind of trying to force that ball into Tharp there when he really wasn't open. Uh, tried to look off the linebacker, but just didn't keep his eyes away from Tharp long enough. Uh, the linebacker read it really well, and it was an easy pick. Uh, but overall, I think you just saw it, it was a 
it was a big uh, positive game one for Baron, and I think that you saw a lot of untapped potential. And unlike what uh, I mean, people could say that Donovan Smith has untapped potential, and that's possibly true. But I truly think that Baron Morton has untapped potential because. Uh, I mean, we really haven't seen it. He's young. He hasn't started anything but one game, you know, so there is potential. I, I think you've you've pretty much seen uh, right now what Donovan Smith gives you. I think you've seen the ceiling, what Donovan Smith gives you, and that was against Texas, right, um, no, with the no turnovers and, and everything like that. I, I don't think that uh, Donovan Smith can give you much more than he gave you in Texas, Um but the thing that I'm looking for is for Baron Morton to give a little bit more. I think if you see a clean sheet from Baron Morton uh, in any game this year, I think that's going to be a really fun game and probably a decent size win for the Red Raiders. Reed, I'm going to go to you next with a little bit different of a spin on this question. So Jack's taking Baron Morton to start, but what I want to do now is frame the question instead of Donovan versus Baron, let's, let's change this up. Shuck is healthy this week. Let's just say for the sake of supposing, I don't believe he is, but let's just say he suddenly is able to come back. Shuck is able to come back. Who are you taking Donovan Smith or Baron Morton, or are you taking Tyler Shuck? So those two guys versus Shuck, who's getting the start. Yeah, I guess my, my first thing would, would be sure that um, that Baron Morton is healthy. Obviously, they haven't really said much about his injury, uh, if there even is any kind of injury still. Um, it, it looked like he just kind of gotten hit in the shin almost, so I wonder if it's more of just a pain tolerance thing than anything, uh, rather than a strain or a break or whatever it may be. But um I think that kind of factors into it a little bit. If he's not going to be able as be able to move as well as he did in the first half against Oklahoma State, that obviously hampered his uh, his ability to move the ball. Because you know that second half of the Oak State game, the offense was um, I wouldn't say complete opposite, but they were not near the same as they were uh, effectively moving and scoring in the first two quarters. Um, I, I think it'd be hard to, to bring Shuck back this early. Uh, I know that was kind of like the preliminary timeline was West Virginia. Uh, but I think with Donovan Smith or Baron Morton, you can still beat West Virginia with either two, either two of those guys starting. Um, so I'd, I'd feel confident to just sit him one more week at least and give him another, another week to, to rest up and get ready for Baylor. Um, but I, I do think a, b- a big question too is if whoever starts this weekend, if it's Baron or Donovan, if one of them plays really well, are you are you going to pull them out against Baylor to put Chuck in, or are you going to ride whoever's got a hot hand at that at that point in time? Um, I think it's going to be my bigger question. So I, I think Barron's going to start this week, but uh, at the same time, I think Donovan's still going to be useful. Uh, I think that's how it's going to be all year long. Uh, there's still packages I like Donovan in a lot, whether he's passing or running the ball. Um, I think there's times where you can you know act like he's he's passing, do some or act like he's running and do some jump passes or uh, fake the motion across and let him run, that kind of thing. So he's, he's definitely still a useful asset to have in the backfield. Um, so it would just be interesting to see what kind of order they go with. Yeah, I, I think you bring up a good point, right, which is bringing back Chuck right now with limited reps, trying to kind of rush him to the field doesn't really feel necessary anymore. 
Um, for one thing, we don't have a strong offensive line. You know, that, that's just reality. And any quarterback that we've got is going to get hit, going to get hit some. Um, and putting Tyler Shuck back in the field because it's do or die just doesn't feel that applicable in this situation. You know, Baron Morton was more than serviceable against Oklahoma State. He showed you what I think is the future of the Red Raider program on display if he can do that consistently. Um, and Donovan Smith, while I have several complaints with his game, he has flashed the kind of playmaking that you know, makes coaches feel more confident. There is a reason he held on to this job for as long as he did. And that's because he plays hard. He practices well. He's a serviceable backup. So I, I just don't feel like Tech needs to worry about trying to rush Shuck back. You can beat West Virginia with either of these guys. You're going to have to, you're going to have to perform um, with somebody. And I think you've got two backups who can do it. To the first question, it, it, you got to start Baron Morton. I, I'm sorry. I mean, like, I know there are plenty of people who like Donovan Smith. I think some of that crowd has quieted down now that we've seen what Morton can do against one of the Big 12's best teams. But the reality situation is, is that you cannot take the ball out of Morton's hand until he does something to make you. Um, you know, there are not many guys who could come out and throw for what he did in the first half against Oklahoma State in their first career start. So to give you an idea, this oh, Stillwater is a brutal place to play football. I was not able to go in person uh, when we lived in Oklahoma for a few years, but my brother, my my mom did. And the thing they talked about is it is just like definitely loud and constantly loud. They're jingling keys. They slap the paddles. Um, they're constantly yelling. It holds a good number of people and here's the thing boone pickens is kind of a bush league stadium and i don't that sounds mean-spirited but it is that sideline is unbelievably unsafe the the stands are right up against your back you know that that's been a constant complaint from teams coming in there for a year but i'll give oklahoma state tons of credit that creates one hell of a loud home field advantage right over your shoulder and they are they that is an unbelievably an underrated difficult place to play one of the reasons oklahoma state's been so good for so long is how hard it is to go into Stillwater and win with any consistency um, so, you know, to do that, you can't, you can't take the ball out of his hand. Look, Donovan may or may not have lost the job organically. I still don't really know. I don't think anybody really knows like what his actual availability was for that Saturday game. Um, here's one thing I do know. Baron Morton showed you throws Donovan can't make. I think Jack summed it up perfectly. There are throws Tyler Shuck could make that Morton made. And then you're going to add mobility to that that Chuck doesn't have. Donovan Smith could not make some of those throws. I don't think Donovan's a bad quarterback by any stretch. He just does not have that upper level live arm talent. He can't make those sidearm slot window throws. He can't push the ball across his body. I mean, and then on the flip side, you saw some of the stuff that Morton can't do. You saw a lot of risky throws Oklahoma State didn't take advantage of. But if we're going to do that with Donovan anyways, right? He's going to turn over the ball two to three times a game anyways. You know, Morton only turned it over once despite playing on one ankle for half the game. So let me go with the guy who can make those throws, who can do those things. But here's the thing. It's a, it's a consistency game. The, your quarterback has to be consistent. That's the number one complaint everyone's had with Donovan Smith, myself included, is he'll play well, then play bad. Play well, play bad. If Morton is going to lose this job. It needs to be because he came out against West Virginia flat and has some of the problems, in which case, yeah, you're already going to have packages designed for Smith to go out, go for it. And to the whole idea of seeing three quarterbacks, I tweeted this at the time, but to clarify, this isn't going to be like every other drive. The what Coach McGuire is still learning how to do coach speak at this level. This is a little bit of coach speak. He wants teams to prepare for all three quarterbacks who all have very wildly different skill sets. But the reality is somebody's going to start 
Donovan Smith's going to be a short package back, and they're going to have one guy who's probably going to check in for gadget plays. Um, if that's that's what they're going to do. So don't don't think you're going to see both Morton and Smith checking in and out. Um, I actually don't like the idea of doing package plays for quarterbacks. I think if you got a guy, you stick you keep the ball in his hand. But Donovan does give you that short yardage power option, um, and he's a good thrower enough to actually do you know that jump pass thing or the what they tried to do against Oklahoma State where that kid made an absolutely phenomenal play to reach back and swat the ball down. I didn't love that play call, but it was right there. Um, if that kid doesn't make like one of the better defensive plays of the day. So on the quarterback front, I think that's where things stand. Um, I wanted to keep this episode a little bit shorter since we're coming off the bye week, but I do want to ask one last question to both of you before we move to the West Virginia preview, which is just high level. Are you satisfied with where the Red Raiders stand right now? Reed, I'll go to you first. Uh, and the short answer, I will say, yes, I am satisfied with what I've seen. Uh, you know, we came pretty much off one of the most brutal stretches of, of football. I think we could have scheduled to play against uh, for a first-year head coach, playing against five ranked opponents. Uh, I know Houston's fallen off, but, I mean, at the time, they're still a ranked opponent that you're having to battle with. And still a serviceable win for your schedule and for your ro- uh, for your roster to, to maintain. <clears throat> but, um yeah, I think coming out of that with the 500 record is, is good for sure. Had you lost that Houston and or Texas game, I'd probably be saying the opposite. But, um, you know, you found a way to win both of those. So that makes your, your record look a lot better than, than the otherwise situation. So um, if I've, I've kind of thought about this uh, recently. You know, I, I picture if Matt Wells' staff was still here and we played that same schedule, um, I, I definitely don't think you beat Houston or Texas, and I'm not sure if you – I mean, obviously, you still take care of Murray State, hopefully, but um, I don't know if you're competitive in some of those games that you gave those teams a, mo- a run for their money in, um, such as Oklahoma State and K-State. So um, I, I like where the staff is at right now. Uh, I like how aggressive they are most of the time. Uh, there are times I'm scratching my head when we're going forward on fourth and four from our own 25, but – you know, if, if that's how he's going to do it, I want him to be 100% full throttle. So, and he's definitely shown that. So, I'm I'm good with it at that point because most of the time it's been working out for us. So, I'll ride with it and we'll die with it too. I'm sure. Um, you know, I'm I'm hopeful for the second half of the season. The schedule's a lot easier. It's a lot more favorable favorable for us. Uh, road games are a little bit easier. Um, so, I, I think a manageable record of you know at least six and six, seven and five is very doable. Yeah, you're going to ride with the aggression and you're going to ride with the growing pains. You're going to do all that. But I don't think anybody can dispute kind of your main point here, which is just you don't win these games and you're not in these games under Matt Wells. You know, like, yeah, like you said, you're going to have some of these fourth down calls where I'm just where you're just like, what the hell are we doing? Some of these are so dangerous. They can't possibly come in out of the analytics book that everybody's making a big thing out of. It's just a head coach who feels like he's got to do what he has to to win games. Um, And he's going to learn how to manage games better, learn how to manage the clock better. Not that he's not doing an okay job now. It's just there's been some of those calls and there's been some of these moments where like, what the what the fuck is the staff seen? Alternatively, though, you know, some of those calls are the reason you won these games against Texas. Half of those fourth down calls made no damn sense. And that's why you won that game. So like you said, you're going to ride with it. You'll live and die with it. And they'll continue to get better as they go. But yeah, you don't win. You're not. You lose the U of H game under Matt Wells every time. Nine times out of ten, you lose that game. And I know everyone's like, well, you came back last year. But 
that was a completely different situation. You weren't just like kind of better than that U of H team. You were significantly better this year. You could not block that front three for U of H and you still managed to find a way to win. Um, similarly against Texas. I mean, that, that was the game Matt Wells choked away. You had almost a carbon copy. Texas pushes down late, gets the score to tie it and push it in overtime. None of the momentum's on your side. And then like four plays later, you've won the game. You know, that that's just a complete different program state. So I'm satisfied. I don't know what's coming ahead. Like you mentioned, the schedule's significantly easier um, going forward. You know, you've already played two of the three best teams. If if Daniels is not if Daniel's not back for Kansas, I just don't think they have any magic left. And I was never that sold on that squad being well rounded anyways. So you know they're not looking good. TCU's gonna be a tough squad. That's the third of the teams you're gonna play. OU with Dylan Gabriel is gonna challenge you, but they just aren't a good football team this year. West Virginia is not a very good football team. Baylor doesn't look to be a very good football team, especially Shapin's banged up. So it's not this Big 12 is so competitive. It's not going to be a cakewalk, but there is a legitimate chance you win between seven and eight games. Um, and getting to a bowl game should be the bare minimum expectation, which is where I didn't even think we were going to get to. So I'm very satisfied. Um, Jack, let's give you a chance before we get to West Virginia. How are you feeling at the halfway point? I'm also satisfied. You know, <clears throat> I think y'all both really hit the nail on the head. Um, if you would have, if you would have taken a look at the schedule and said that we, out of the first six games, five of those were against ranked opponents, and you said we were going to be three and three at the start of the year, I think you'd take that a hundred times out of a hundred. Uh, and, you know, like y'all both touched on, it's not the fact that you lost three games. It's that in all three games that you lost, you were in the game in the fourth quarter uh, on the road at ranked opponents. So um, two of those were top 15 teams. I and, you know, I, I really don't think that Kansas State will finish the year ranked. Uh, but I, I think it's a very high possibility that uh, Oklahoma State does. I don't know about North Carolina State now that Devin Leary's done for the year. Uh, but uh, And also, we wish him a speedy recovery. But I think that those games helped you more than possibly the wins. Uh, it proved that you could go on the road to ranked opponents and, you know, be in the game in the fourth quarter. Um that's not really something that I expected in year one of this. And so I'm pleasantly surprised at that. Um, also, if you would have told me that we would be three and three going into the easy part of the schedule after having to play and start three different quarterbacks, I think you take that a hundred times out of a hundred as well. So I, I'm just, I'm really, I'm really satisfied with this. I think that there's a, there's a real possibility that you could win if not all, all but one, I think that TCU game in Fort Worth is going to be a lot tougher than we originally thought uh, at the beginning of the year. I also think that considering what we've seen from OU on the defensive side of the ball, I think that game at the end of the year at home against OU becomes, I wouldn't say easier, but a little more manageable, I would say. Um, I, I think it's one that you could definitely take at home. Um if Blake Shapin stays down, I think the Baylor one is also one that's manageable. Um, I think that you, I think that we had a chance to win it even with Blake Shapin. I, I'm one of the main people. I wasn't sold on Blake Shapin in the first place. Um, I, I know some Baylor people are now kind of learning a harsh truth on that now, um, but I think that they would have been a much more dangerous team this year if if uh, Gary Bohannon was still their quarterback. Uh, but like I said, you know, you you have definitely a your schedule is pretty favorable in this back end. So um, 
I'm really interested to see if if tech can capitalize on it. Now that we've talked tech, we're going to push over to West Virginia. That went a little bit longer than I thought, so this episode's going to end up being about our normal length. But that's good news. I mean, we had plenty to say. Um, and surprisingly, a lot of it was positive. I don't think many of us expected to be in a pretty good shape at this point. I think uh, there, I mean, I don't remember all of the media predictions, but there are a lot who had tech at like one in five at this stage. You know, like you, you were not predicted to be very good. So to, but the fact that you've been in so many games, that you've been so competitive and you've got enough wins under your belt to feel like a bowl game is very doable is a great sign. Now let's look at the West Virginia Mountaineers. As I said, they are coming off a 43-40 win, really back and forth game against Baylor. Um, both these teams put up a ton of points. Um, West Virginia largely did their damage on the ground. Not that JT Daniels wasn't good in this game. You know, he threw for 283, a TD and an interception. He was 24 for 37. Um, But the real impressive part about this game was Tony Mathis Jr. for West Virginia, 22 carries, 163 yards for almost seven and a half a carry, two TDs, including a 30, his long of 37. Um, But he was also helped out by an effort from Justin Johnson Jr., who had 12 carries for 48 yards at four a carry, which, for those of you who don't know, is the magic number for a successful rushing attack, and a TD of his own. His long was 19 yards. Baylor, on the flip side, did almost all their damage through the air. They did have a pretty balanced rushing attack, but it wasn't as efficient. Um, Blake Shapin was 14 for 22, 326 uh, yards. Kyron Drones, who I think is going to be nodded for Baylor coming forward with 714.95 yards. Baylor was really in this game because of a late push. West Virginia, I won't say comfortably led this game kind of wire to wire, but they were in a pretty good spot coming out of the third quarter and into the fourth. They did a good job holding Baylor at uh, at arm's length. The game was very competitive, though. I think the scoreboard reflects that. Um, I think West Virginia was just the better team on this day. And, you know, there's... A lot to learn from this individual game, but looking back on the West Virginia Mountaineer season, they are also three and three. I just talked about this at the start of the show. They had a tough showing in the backyard brawl, fell just short against the Pitt Panthers, their most hated rival. They lost an overtime game against Kansas. That was the start of the Kansas buzz. Um, they blew out a who gives a shit team and beat up a very bad Virginia Tech team. They then would get beat pretty comfortably by Texas. Um, that would be a Quinn Ewers lifts Texas team to be exact. So, you know, kind of a significant, um, um, showing in a game, but, um, against Baylor, West Virginia kind of shook off the doldrums and got it done. So two, three and three teams tech is a seven point favorite last I saw. So, you know, the red Raiders are expected to win this game and win it fairly comfortably, um, for a big 12 matchup this year. Let's talk about the West Virginia defense first. Reid, I'll go to you. Uh, when you look at this West Virginia defense, they've kind of been all over the board, but they haven't been great much. Where should Tech look to try to attack the most against West Virginia? Yeah, I really haven't seen a whole lot of West Virginia uh, this year, period. Um, what I do know from the past is they've had a, a pretty solid defensive line. Uh, so that, that could raise some problems, obviously, and with you know how your offensive line has played so far this year. Um, but uh, with with Baylor putting up that many points uh, on on their defense, I got to feel confident whoever we got starting at quarterback should be able to sling the ball around pretty well, uh, especially if we can get the ground game going. Ground game going at, at any point. Um, so I, I think the secondary obviously must be an Achilles heel for them that or they're not getting any pass rush. Uh, but I do know stills are still there on the D line and 
surely they've got some other guys. So uh, I, I don't think it's the D line is really their problem. I think it's probably on the back end. So maybe look to see if we can uh, take the top off a little bit. Uh, but on the flip side of that, their their offense is probably looking to do the same thing against your secondary with JT Daniels and some some big wideouts uh, and Graham Harrell calling the shots. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a shootout to an extent, kind of like the Baylor West Virginia game. Maybe not that deep, but um, I, I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if both teams are in the in the 30s by the end of it. Um, I do think our defense as a whole was probably better at this point. Uh, especially if we're kind of able to make them one-dimensional, um, force JT to, to make plays all game. I think it'll make it a little bit easier. Uh, it seemed like against Baylor, he was able to get some some ground game help that was uh, helping them score points as as easily as they were. So if we're making him throw it. I think we'll we'll uh, we'll give ourselves a good shot. Yeah, you talk about West Virginia's defensive line. They were, you know, like you look at some of these stats, and I'll, I'll start with the pit game because this was the first West Virginia game, actually one of the first college football games. Um, everybody was watching this. It was a crazy atmosphere. You know, there was a lot of pressure on both teams to kind of perform right away. They ended up with five sacks in that game, you know, and then well, let's go to Baylor and see, you know, kind of where things stand. Against the Baylor Bears, they only they ended up with two sacks. So it's not like it's a bad defensive line by any stretch or bad defense by any stretch. But where they're getting killed is on the back end, right? You know, it, it's the similar problem that Tech has had the, the last few years. You could maybe get some pressure, you just couldn't finish couldn't finish teams off because you just couldn't get them off the field. You couldn't cover successfully well enough. You know, in West Virginia's wins, um, they don't really have a good win besides Baylor. Virginia Tech's not a good football team. But against Virginia Tech, you know, where some of the success was is they limited the bleeding on the back end and they just let their defensive line uh, and they let their uh, uh, their offense kind of do work. You know, West Virginia Tech really got nothing going on the ground. They weren't effective through the air. That was a good, comfortable you know, solid win for West Virginia. They were really, they pulled away late in that game and kind of asserted themselves. Um, interestingly enough, I remember watching that game and thinking, you know, they just didn't look very good. And in that fourth corner, they just started to slap around Virginia Tech. Um, against Baylor, I just, that was a game, it was obviously both West Virginia's best game and an extremely important one for them. They needed a confidence boost. But just defensively, I think, you know, you got to worry about what Tech's going to block up. I think you're talking, I think we're all on the right, we're all going to be on the same page here. Tech just doesn't have the offensive line, but I think you can find a lot of success on the back end. This is where I like Baron Morton. I think you can get over the top. I mean, let's talk about Baylor's receiving in this game. They had Gavin Holmes go for 210 yards on seven receptions. You know, that's 30 a reception, including a 56 yarder. Um, Drake Dabney had five for 66. Monterey Baldwin was two for 42. Craig Williams, one for 39. They had a couple, Quallen Jones was two for 37. So the, the, they didn't spread it out all over the yard, but the guys who were able, there was plenty of guys to go to, plenty of guys to get open, and they had a lot of success going over the top. Here are the, the passing yardages on those in order 56, 23, 25, 39, 25, 14. So, you know, they're, they're, they had some success pushing the ball down the field. The tech blocks up well, I think you're going to be a good spot. On the ground game, I mean, I know we're a little concerned about Sir Roderick Thompson's health, but you got to feed those guys. You know, West Virginia has been pretty good against the, the rush. Baylor still, though, mind you, they had to, 
you know, it wasn't the most, you know, overwhelmingly dominant rushing attack, but they were able to rush for over four and a half a carry. Um, They just kept coming at them in waves. I think some of the game script also took them off the run game. Their starting backs averaged 4.4 each. So, you know, there is room to run the ball against West Virginia. It's just not a very good defensive team. You should have success. But where you can get killed is if you are not blocking well, they can generate pressure. Um, They can get home in a hurry. Against Baylor, they had two sacks, five tackles for loss, and three quarterback hurries. You know, they're they're going to be after the quarterback early and often, you know, block it up. And that Baylor offensive line, mind you, is really, really good. So, you know, Texas isn't. So that's where I'm looking for. Um, Jack, I'm going to push the pivot the question just a little bit, which is to talk about the West Virginia uh, defense from a different perspective. Um, if you're a Mountaineer fan and you're in year whatever of Neil Brown, are you starting to get kind of tired of not being able to put together a complete team? You know, I'm going to get to this in a minute, but is he starting to feel the hot seat partially because they finally find an offense and now there's no defense to be found? You know, I think that this past week, this past Thursday, their win against Baylor did more for that program than a lot of people realize. And and I'll say this because before we knew Kansas would come on strong this year, that that home loss to Kansas looked really bad, right? It looked terrible. This was a game that, this was the first Big 12 conference game of the year, and you're at home against a team that has been the basement dweller for the last 15 seasons, minus one or two seasons here and there. Uh, This is a, a I mean, let's not mince words. Kansas has been a really bad team. And you lose at home in overtime to them. Um, I think the loss looks a little bit better now that Kansas has gone to win, gone on to win five games. But I think that proving that you can still beat Baylor at home uh, does a lot for Neil Brown's seat to be cooled a little bit. I will say Baylor has never had a real good stretch of winning in Morgantown. As long as West Virginia has been in the Big Twelve, I think Baylor's won in Morgantown once. Uh, so it, it's not. Um, it's not a, a place that Baylor likes to travel to. Um, I think that uh, the big part for me, I, I, I think the seat is hot still just because if you don't make a bowl game this year, people are going to start asking questions. And, you know, if, if you really look at this team, uh, you know, they play, they play at Tech and then they're at home against TCU. At Iowa State, which could be a toss-up, at home against Oklahoma, at home against Kansas State, and then at Oklahoma State. So this is a team who, if you if you end up losing to Tech, if you if Tech comes in and really, you know, takes it takes them to the cleaners in Lubbock, I see maybe one win left on that schedule, and ironically, it's at Iowa State. So. You're talking about going from a three and three team, possibly to a four and eight team, pretty quickly. Um, and I think if you, if, I think if this team goes four and eight, I think that you have to start having those internal conversations, right? So, for me, I went on a Mountaineer podcast um, earlier today, actually, and I, I did an hour long. Uh, session with them and you know kind of going back and forth about what West Virginia brings and what tech brings to the table 
And uh, what I didn't realize and what was good to find out, this game against Baylor was the first time all year that West Virginia had won the, had won the turnover battle in a game. Uh, they took the ball away from Baylor four times, and they still only won by three points. And that's with, uh, that's with Baylor playing their backup quarterback in the fourth quarter. Um, so I, I think that you look at that, take it how you will. Um, it's just the facts. Uh, but I truly think that um, their their pass coverage is what hurts them. Their D-line has depth. Their linebackers are good at defending the run. Their linebackers are porous. They are terrible at defending the pass. Uh, if you look at any film at all, the linebackers are probably their weakest part of this roster uh, just because they can't cover anyone. They can't cover inside receivers. They can't cover tight ends well. Um uh, the their secondary is dealing with a lot of injuries. I think uh, they have three to four corners that are hurt right now. Uh, they're hoping to get a one of their uh, all conference corners back this week. But if they said that if he does come back, it's unlimited time. So he won't, he'll have a he'll have a uh, a ceiling that he can go on plays. So this is definitely a manageable game for Texas Tech. But to answer your question, I think the seat is already hot. And if they don't put up a fight in this one in Lubbock and you start looking at the back end of their schedule and you look at the more of the reality of po- a possible four and eight season, um, I think it becomes white hot. And if not getting rid of Neil Brown. Yeah, I, 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 I tweeted this a minute ago and I think it stands by it, but like there is a real chance that if Tech just beats the brakes off West Virginia, that they could be in the field for a new coach. Uh, you just you just don't love, you know, I think he calls it that's always been the climb. You just don't love where you are. You know, West Virginia has not played a particularly strong schedule to date. Um, you know, Pitt's a good football team, but a, they lost to an earless Kansas team, or an earless Texas team, excuse me, in Kansas best win is Baylor who looks like they're in free fall they've still got to play TCU Kansas State Oklahoma State you know like you said there are not many wins left on this schedule and if Tech just routes them there is a real chance I think they pull the trigger early to get to the coach's pool and start trying to hire a new guy Um, I'm not saying for certain I don't you know I'm not plugged into that community like I think I have a kind of a sense what Tech's going to do on occasion but I, I just they can't be happy. And I've, I've seen enough from that, of that fan base that that Baylor win may have cooled the fires for a little, but if tech just, you know, curb stomps them, they, they, they could be going running in a hurry. Um, and part of this is because, you know, I've seen a lot of this, like West Virginia or Neil Brown historically has not been good offensively. Um, they, they've struggled, especially managing their quarterbacks, figuring out how to handle their offense. JT Daniels comes in. They're a much better offensive football team. And suddenly the defense is just not just like not good. They're really not good. And that that's so disheartening. I mean, you guys remember the, the 2015, 2016 tech teams, right? It's just backbreaking when you finally think you've got, a, a true winner at quarterback, and then you just don't have any defense to support them. Obviously, that being text, those years being like historic extremes, but West Virginia is kind of in a similar boat, you know, scored 42 against Kansas, lost. Against Texas, they only scored 20, but Texas is a pretty good football team. Um, lost that game, gave up 38. Against Baylor, nearly lose this game uh, despite scoring 43. Scored 30 against Pitt, 31 against Pitt, lost by seven. 
you know, it they're just not good defensively, and it, it's wearing on the West Virginia faithful that they got this huge transfer coming in in JT Daniels, and they just can't help him out. Which brings us to the next topic of conversation, which is the West Virginia offense. Reed, I'm going to go to you first once again for this one. Um, you know, how confident are you that Tech can handle what West Virginia is bringing? They put up some points this year. Should Tech be worried coming into this weekend about the West Virginia offense? I know you mentioned you think it's going to be a shootout. How can Tech kind of approach limiting some of the damage? Yeah, I really, I'm not really uh, certain of the level um, D line that JT Daniels has seen so far. Uh, I feel like Pitt's defensive line was pretty decent, and I feel like they were able to get some pressure on him, if I remember correctly, uh, back in week one. Um, so I, I think if we're able to kind of dial up some blitzes and, and make him get rid of the ball earlier uh, rather than sitting back there and trying to tear us apart, I think that's going to do a lot of wonders for us. Uh, obviously, too, we need to be good in the run game because, uh, like I mentioned earlier, if we're able to you know, kind of stymie his run game and make him one-dimensional, it's going to make it a little bit easier uh, on what to expect. Uh, and also, too, if our offense is able to put up points, that's going to you know, also – make them one-dimensional having to play catch-up with us. So um, I think primarily you need to get some pressure on them. Uh, a couple of your speed linebackers, you know, Marquise Waters, um, Kosey Eldridge, some of those guys need to, you know, come off some blitz packages and come off the outside, come up the middle because JT Daniels can move, but he's not going to kill you with his legs. Um, so I, I, that leaves me a little bit hopeful too. That was what worried me about Kansas State and Oklahoma State is both of those two quarterbacks are able to beat you with your legs. And uh, there's definitely times where that was pretty evident that they did that. So uh, I, I think if you're able to contain him in the pocket and make him mirror the ball sooner than he wants to, that's going to help you go a long way. Jack, let's go to you with a similar question. How can Tech attack West Virginia's offense? What could they do to slow down what has been a fairly prolific offense? And how good do you feel about some of these matchups? I want to. I want to kind of just kind of expand on what Reed said. I I, I agree with it uh, wholeheartedly. the The thing is, this uh, this team pounds the rock. They're going to get on the field and they're going to try and run it down your throat uh, to set up a play action or to set up the pass. Um, they've been doing it well all season, and it, it starts with Tony Mathis at running back. Guys averaging five yards a carry. Um, their backup Justin Johnson. Uh, averaging four and a half yards a carry. Um, interesting tidbit here I would look out for. A guy named C.J. Donaldson. They recruited him as a tight end to come to West Virginia. And after fall or after spring camp and fall camp, they moved him to the backfield. They've started handing the ball off to this kid. And when I say they recruited him at tight end, this guy is 6'2", 240 closer to 250 or 260 from what I'm told. So this kid, they line him back there and they just hand him the ball and no one wants to get in front of him. He's like a freight train, right? So um, they're going to pound the rock and I think they're going to pound the rock early to try and set up the play action. Um, I think Tech has been a little um, hesitant to try and make quarterbacks beat them with the arm. Uh, I think we saw that in the Kansas State game. I think we saw that in the Oklahoma State game. Quite, uh, it's quite evident to me, at least, that 
uh, they're a little hesitant to stack the box with seven or possibly even eight guys and force the opposing quarterback to make a throw over the top. I think in that game and this game that that may be just what you have to do. Um, Tony Mathis, like like we talked about, the Baylor defense isn't what it used to be. They've lost a lot of guys. They lost coaches, um, most of whom are at Texas Tech now. But uh, the defense still has some stragglers, so some decent talent, some decent depth at certain positions, and they ran all over Baylor. You know, they had as a team, they had over two hundred yards rushing. Uh, Tony Mathis. Uh, ran for 163 yards. Um, C.J. Donaldson got hurt against Texas, but he's practicing this week for the first time since that injury. Don't know if he's going to be able to go full bore, but if he is, I'd watch out for him. I'd circle him. Um, But contrary to what you might think with Graham Harrell calling the plays, uh, I I think that it's going to come down to your D-line against their O-line, getting a good push up front, not letting them... um, set the edge on the run game. Uh, and like Reed said, you know, I think the linebackers, I think Krishan Merriweather, uh, Josiah Pierre, Kosai Eldridge, all those guys, they're going to have to make some, they're going to have to make some step up and make some, probably some pretty difficult tackles, some hard tackles. You got some big guys coming at you. Um, Marquise Waters as well, playing that star. Uh, I, th- I think that they're going to have to make some difficult tackles. And I think that if tech tackles well, in the first level, um, it could be a long day for West Virginia. Yeah, I think Tech's best luck here is to get to JT Daniels early and often. Um, I think that's the most – if you make West Virginia um, – if you take him out of the game, they just lose some of the dangerous kind of play-action passing, and you can really focus on um, – stopping the run. It's a good rushing attack for West Virginia. They got some dudes who can really tote the rock. Um, you mentioned Donaldson, like I said, against Baylor, they had a cat going for near over seven, a carry. That would be, uh, um, <clears throat> excuse me. That would be uh, a young man by the name. Sorry. I had this open. I, I always do this crap. Um, uh, by, uh, by Mathis jr. He was at 163 on 22 carries. Um, I think tech, has shown at times to be very good against the run, but you know, you've seen vulnerabilities there. Um, Oklahoma state found some success. Texas found some success on occasion. Granted, Bijan Robinson is a fantastic back and Oklahoma state's just a good offense, but West Virginia has got a balanced offensive attack. But I, I think if you can just, if you can make them one dimensional and you really take away Daniels, they're going to struggle um, because you know, West Virginia, is not a very good offensive line. Tech has a very talented defensive line. I think if you're generating three, four sacks in this game, you're going to be in really, really good position late. But if you got to, you just got to respect what they're doing offensively. I, I think that, you know, this game's probably going to turn into a pretty high scoring affair. You know, I, I don't think that Tech's going to just, I don't think, I know some people do. I don't think Tech's just going to roll this team. They've proven to be scrappy and hard to put away uh, for a lot of this year. And even against teams like Texas, where they just were not really in that game, you know, they, they kept it reasonably close for a while. Um, so I just, I think you just, you got to respect what they do offensively and you just got to hope that, you know, you can hold up to a true balanced offensive attack. You haven't really faced one, you know, Hudson card for Texas was probably the best you faced. And, you know, Hudson cards, not JT Daniels, West Virginia's got good running backs. They got an, 
it's a, not a great receiving core, but it's an okay receiving core. And they've got a very good quarterback throwing the ball around. Um, you know, I, I like tech up against West Virginia's defense a lot more than I like tech up against this offense. I just think you can take advantage of the fact that they don't protect super, super well. Um, they did protect well against Baylor and case in point scored 43, but against Pitt, they didn't. And they lost that game. Um, and you've got a much better, I think your defensive line, somebody can fault me for hubris if they want is a lot more what people thought Pitt's defensive line was in week one than it was what Baylor's is. I think you just, you got talent in place. You're the better team in this game, but you just pick a pick. I think you take away JT Daniels, but alternatively you can also just say, screw it. We're going to stack the box. We're going to make JT Daniels take us one-on-one. We think we can get home with pressure, but we're going to take away the ground game. I, I just think the moral of the story here is you got to pick your poison, take it away and make the other one beat you. They're going to put up points. They're going to move the ball. They're going to get yards. Ben, don't break. Make it hard. Make it as hard as possible. West Virginia does not have the defense to stop you for the entirety of this game. I think you're going to score a lot of points. So you just have to take away enough of their possessions um, that you uh, you end up ahead. Once you get a lead, you stick to it. Um, because I don't, I just don't, I, I don't think that this game's going to be a blow up, but I just don't think West Virginia's got enough in the tank. Um, if you can slow down their offense, they're going to lose heart pretty fast. So now we're going to talk about then predictions. We're just going to move right into it. Um, Jack, I'll go to you first. Who are you taking in this game? What's the final score? I think the Red Raiders win this one at home. Uh, I guess this will be four straight against West Virginia. Um, yeah, I I, I tend to agree with you a lot of what you just said. I think I think West Virginia can kind of keep it close. I think they're going to try and maintain and keep the kind of what Tech's been doing, right? Not not necessarily running a lot of plays on offense, but I think they're going to get that ball and they're going to try and keep it away from Tech's offense. I think they're going to try and stay on the field as long as they possibly can in order to keep our offense from having the ball. Um, with that being said, if you've had a week to scheme for this game. If you're tech coaches, so if if they come out in the first half and score in two plays, I might throw a fit. Uh, we've had a problem with that for the last four weeks. You've had a full week to game plan for this team, and if they score in less than three plays, it's going to be a problem. Um, needless to say, I think that even if that happens and they just absolutely take us to the woodshed in the first half, I think. This coaching staff has been really good at making halftime adjustments and implementing those into the game. Um, I think Tech wins this game at home. Uh, I think they win somewhat comfortably. I I would go with anywhere from 10 to 14 points, uh, pulling away in the fourth quarter. I think Baron Morton has a good game. Um, I think Tech wins the turnover battle in this one, which is going to be huge. Uh, It's time for this defense, for this Tech defense, to start turning people over. Uh, this is this is the perfect start for me. This team uh, is liable to turn the ball over. They have done it all year. Um, last week was the like I said. Last week was the first time they've won the turnover battle all season. So uh, I think if you turn this team over, it could turn out to be a pretty nice day for the Red Raiders. Uh, I'm going to go with 45 to 34, Texas Tech. You mentioned the turnovers. You know, so much of Tex branding is that take three university. And we talked about this together after the, the, the Oklahoma State game. Look, you're not going to take threes just branding. 
you know, turnovers are largely random, but Tech has got to be one of the worst teams at finishing the play to force a turnover. I mean, how many interceptions have been dropped? You know, you're one of the worst teams in the country in turnover margin. This is a game to flip that script. I think that Tech does it in this game. Um, I think ultimately Tech wins comfortably. I just don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think you win this game by like 10 points. I think West Virginia um, challenges you just because I just don't think that Tech is good enough to me right now to against anybody to really feel like you're going to go out there and just take them to the woodshed. But I think, you know, you're going to get a West Virginia team riding a really big high. They're going to battle hard. I've seen a lot of that West Virginia team. They're a pretty scrappy squad. And I just think that you're going to get challenged. I think you're going to struggle to get separation from an offense as good as theirs. But you're also going to learn a lot about your quarterbacks. You're going to learn a lot about your defense. And it's going to be a really, really good reset coming out of the bye week to get you ready for a stretch that you need to get some wins in. You know, you knew, you need to win these next two. If you want to do what you want to do this year, these next two are pretty important. So I think Tech starts off strong. I'm going to say 35-25. I think Tech limits the damage. Excuse me, 35-24. I don't like 25. I don't know how you get that football score comfortably. So let's go 35-24. That's a little more than 10, 11-point game, so two scores. Uh, I, I just... I think that you're going to win comfortably. It's going to be a bit of a battle, but you're not, I don't think this is going to be one of those games in which like you, I don't think you'll trail during this game. For instance, I think it's going to be back and forth early and then tech pulls away around the early fourth and kind of establish itself comfortably. Um, but where, where you're going to have to prove it is prove that you have can put together two good quarterback performances, prove that your secondary can hold up and prove that you, you learned from some of the rushing attacks that have taken advantage of you the Kansas state and Oklahoma state, and that you're going to show the itis when you need to, to protect yourselves and protect yourself from your own aggression. And let's just see us get better. Let's come out of this bye week looking better than we did going into it. Reed, what do you think? Yeah, I'll kind of coattail off of uh, both of what you guys said. Um, I'm thinking, you know, kind of a 10 to 14 point margin of a win is, is what I would expect out of this game uh, as a tech tech fan. And uh, especially coming off of bye week, you got plenty of time to, to scheme against uh, kind of a middle of the road Big 12 squad in West Virginia. It's not like you're, you're going up against Oklahoma State again um, on the road or anything. So uh, it does help um, back in my mind to have this game in Lubbock. Uh, it'd be a lot scarier on the road, in my opinion, because Morgantown is just an interesting place to play, and uh, they always put up some interesting performances there. Uh, I do think it's it's going to be, uh, you know, pretty apparent that our defense needs to make them one dimensional, kind of like what I've said earlier, and what Macon has said too. Uh, whether that's making them run or making them throw it, you need to take one of them away, um, force them to beat you at that other side. So. I think if we're able to do that and hopefully get a couple turnovers, that should you know, kind of rewrite the script for us on uh, on winning some back-to-back Big 12 games, hopefully, with this one and the next. So uh, I like my, my odds there for sure. Uh, I think I'm going to take Tech 41-31 to 31 this weekend. So we're all three taking Tech. Um, we're ho- coming out of the bye week. We're all hoping for a big win. If you do have the opportunity to go to the game, go. Stay the whole game. It's homecoming. Have a lot of fun. Wear red. Enjoy the game. Um, just real quick to tie off the end of the show, golf is dominating in the Big 12 play, so look forward to seeing more updates on there. Volleyball's continuing to do work. Soccer's on a bit of a hot streak, so you know it's a pretty good time for Tech sports. And basketball is, of course, now right around the corner, so be on the eyes and ears out for more content related to that. 
that. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed the restful bye week and that you enjoyed just being able to watch the games without having to worry about your own team. We're back on the grind. As always, you know, feel free to DM us, leave a comment, tweet at us, whatever you want to give us some feedback on what you think, your thoughts, if you agree, disagree, whatever the case, we'd love to hear from you. And as always, you can find us on all the major podcast platforms, wherever you like, follow, subscribe, or just click on the View of the Matadors website. Uh, we really enjoy uh, talking to you guys, and hopefully you enjoy listening. We'll be back next week with a full normal week recap preview of the Baylor Bears. Um, as we go through the back half of the schedule, we're going to start mixing in our basketball content. That's coming up very soon. We're going to figure out how to handle that one, um, but keep your eyes peeled. Kendall's going to start cranking out the articles, and we're going to start really getting rolling with that season just right on our doorstep, which should be another fun year. Um, hopefully, we'll be talking to you guys after the game on the Hub City Spaces about a Red Raider victory over the West Virginia Mountaineers. Wreck them, guys, and have a good rest of your week.